Are we having a good time so far this morning? Are we having church this morning? Well, I hope you're getting excited. Uh, I'm excited. I tell you what, uh, this is our last uh, installment of our Help Us With Our Unbelief series. Uh, so very cool, very exciting to close this down today. And uh, we've had an incredible last three weeks. And I, I really want you to go back if you, have, if you missed some. And we understand if that's happened. If you've missed a couple, go back and watch and go back and look at the last three because they're absolutely amazing. Uh, they're incredible. Week one, we talked about this. We, uh, are, are there choices that you've made that could contribute to the seasons of doubt? That's a great one, that first week. And go back and look at that if you haven't seen it. Week two was considerations when we struggle in a season of doubt. And last week, we talked about praying, praying through our doubts. And today, you can't talk about doubting without talking about doubting. Oh, some of y'all know. Okay. You, you can't talk, even if you're outside of church, if you've never been to church, you've heard of this guy named Doubting Thomas. This poor guy, we're about to find out. He makes one mistake and he's labeled Doubting Thomas for eternity. This poor fellow. Could you imagine that if it was you? All right. There's Lazy Susie. Yeah, she didn't get up one day. That's her. Well, I'm excited and we'll talk about doubt today because I've seen a lot of it. And if you don't know me by now, um, we just took a trip and, and I got made fun of by the pastors, mainly Pastor Harley, in that, that I like to talk to people in the airport or anywhere we go. I do. I enjoy talking to people. I enjoy getting to know people. I, get, I enjoy knowing where they're from, what they do, what they like, all that kind of stuff. And there are good days of that, and there's not so good days of that. And there's days that I travel a lot. For 26 years, I've traveled around the country. I've spoken at churches. I've been in a lot of airports. And there are certain days I really want to talk to people, and certain days I do not. Normally when I'm headed to the event to go speak, I'm just, woohoo, let's talk. Normally when I'm coming home, I'm like, I don't want to be interrupted, all right? But one day, and I shared this a couple years ago, but it just fits today, I got to meet somebody in the airport. I sat down, I had my headphones in, and I'm listening uh, to something, I don't know what, but this woman comes down and sits right there with me, and she wants to have a conversation when I have my headphones in. Has that ever happened to anybody in here? And you're like, I'm sorry, what? What are, we, what are we doing here, right? So I got my headphones, I pull my headphones out, and she goes, hi! And this is what she said, are you traveling? We're in the airport. Uh, no, I work here. I bring my bags with me just so I can fit in. You know, I don't know, I don't know how to answer that. So I want to answer back. Well, yeah, of course I am. And of course I say this. Are you? Now I feel dumb. And so she goes, and the first question, a lot of times as a pastor, you know, you deal with a lot of different people who have a lot of different beliefs. And we're going to talk about that a little bit today and the different beliefs. And this woman looks at me and she says, hey, what do you do? And I'm like, hmm, okay. Because a lot of times, many times I've said, well, I'm a pastor. And they go, okay. And they leave. And then sometimes, you know, uh, I'm an evangelist. So sometimes I'll go, yeah, I'm an evangelist. And then they ask me to spell it. And then I'm out. Okay, so. But this, per this lady says, what do you do? So I'm kind of in my head going, well, how do I respond? What's the best way to respond? So I just said this. I go, well, I, uh, I speak at churches. And she goes, oh, that's awesome. That's incredible. So like this sigh of relief kind of comes. You're like, okay, she's not one of them. And so, no kidding. But so she looks at me. She goes, oh, that's amazing. And, you know, tell me a little bit about it. Do you go and, you know, you travel around and speak at churches? I go, yeah, absolutely. You know, that's where I'm coming from right now. She goes, that's really cool. Is it motivational? I said, well, I hope so. 
you know, I, I try to be motivational. She goes, that's just really incredible. And then she says, this is kind of the red flag started kicking off. She goes, do you speak to the employees? And I go, well, yeah, sometimes they're there. Yeah, sure. I mean, you know, I just, absolutely, you know. And then, she, I don't know, five minutes goes by of her talking about me, speaking at churches. And then she says this, looks right at me and says, you know why I love churches? And I go, oh, man, she's about to say because of the gospel, the, the worship, the people. You know, just, in, just she's going to drop this thing. And she looks right at me and says, you know why I love churches? And I go, what is that, ma'am? She says, I love their biscuits. <laughs> Let that catch up. So now I'm sitting there going, oh, no. This woman thinks, and that's another bizarre part of this, that she thinks that I run around speaking at church's chicken. Yes. And now I'm in this moment where I have to tell this woman, no, 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 ma'am, I'm sorry. There's been a miscommunication here. I don't speak at church's chicken. I speak at church's Jesus. And I'm trying to figure out how to get into that. But she's going off on the biscuits like nobody's business over here. Uh, she's talking about how she puts honey on it and ham on it. Sometimes she'll get a chicken and she'll put it in between, make a biscuit sandwich. I'm like, oh, my gosh, this woman loves her biscuits. <laughs> and so now I have to go. But then I'm sitting there going, okay, in her mind, does she just think I walk into church's chicken and go, well, hello, everybody. <laughs> Let me motivate you. <laughs> I'm not quite sure what's happening here. So I have to then now say, I'm sorry, ma'am. I don't, I, I, and I didn't want to be rude. I didn't want to make her feel stupid. I really didn't because, you know, it was an opportunity here. And so I said, ma'am, I'm so sorry. I think there's a miscommunication, and I don't speak at church's chicken. I speak at church's Jesus. And immediately when I said that, this woman who I had no idea who she is, I don't know what her background is, I don't know what life she's living, I don't know what she's dealing with, she looked right at me, her smile of the amazing biscuits at churches, okay, went from smile to anger. It went to, not I'm embarrassed because I got it wrong, but it was like, oh no, I'm not into you. I'm not into that. I don't, and she looks, without saying a word, she just kind of scowls. She grabs both her bags, got up, and walked off. I said, no, she didn't. I will chase her down. No, I didn't. I, 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 said, I said, no. I said, but here's what, look at me just for a second, because here's the thing. I didn't know, uh, you know, why. And, and, and what started stirring in my heart was, who hurt her? What doubts does she have in her life? Is God real? Where did, the, where did, what is going on with her in her past, maybe in her present, of going on that's so rough that she would not hear me out at all and just hear that I speak at churches and be so upset and so angry and it, that she would just get up and walk off without saying a word? What has she heard? What church hurt her? What Christian hurt her? I don't know. And today as we look at this today, as we talk about doubt, the doubt comes from all types of different places. And well, to, to end this story, I did try to sit with her. I, I fly southwest, so I got on the plane, and like I sat down with three rows right here, and I look at her coming up. And, and, and if you don't probably know this about me, but I can be kind of loud. 
And, yeah, and so she's coming, and I see her, and I try to make eye contact. I really do. I try to make eye contact. I go, hey, biscuit lady. Would not look at me, did not want anything to do with me, and walked past. And I want you to hear that today, and as we kind of look into this a little bit, as we open up Thomas's story, as we look at him, I want you to take that story and take it in, because I'm going to refer to it in just a little bit. But I want you to look at this, and before we read the text, and we're going to go to John chapter 20, 20 through 24, right in that area. So get out your Bibles, get out whatever you're reading on. I want you to read this with me here in a minute. John chapter 20, verse 24 through 29. We're going to walk through that together here in a second. But before I even go there, I want to tell you about Thomas. I want to, I want to kind of give you a little bit of him before we even open the text here that this guy went from doubting Thomas to believing Thomas. First of all, there's a couple things about him and John. Maybe we skip over, maybe we don't understand, but Thomas was a man of courage. So I don't know why he wasn't fearless, Thomas, because he was a man of courage. And we see this in John chapter 11 where, where Jesus is talking about going to Jerusalem. And before when they went to Jerusalem, they were going to stone him. And the other disciples were like, this is a suicide mission. Are you kidding me? We can't go there. And Thomas speaks up. Thomas jumps in and says, hold on, no, no, no. And he says, let us all go that we may die with him. Before he was ever doubting Thomas, he was a man of courage. He was courage, Thomas. So then... Even later on in the Lord's Supper, they had just finished supper. Jesus just finished washing the feet of his disciples. And he began to tell them that he had prepared a place for them. That there is a place prepared for them with many, many rooms and a yard to play football. Anybody know that story? Remember that song? Yeah. Big, big house with lots and lots of... No? Okay. All right. So he's telling them about this place. And then Thomas actually speaks up. Thomas is a man with questions. Look what he says. He was a guy who asked questions. As all this was going on, he says, Lord, we don't know. He says, Lord, we don't know where you are going, so how can we know the way? You know what? To me, these are words of a totally honest man. Do you agree with that? Here's a guy who was honest with himself. Here's a guy who was fearless. And now we kind of get into where, and I'll give you a little bit more backstory of Thomas. He does become a believer. He does actually bring the gospel to India, where, you know, in Asia over there. And lots and lots of people came to know the Lord. He even lost his life there, was ran through with a spear because he wouldn't renounce Christ. The guy we call Doubting Thomas. And I'm hoping that today we can change his reputation. I'm hoping that today, because of this one little mistake, we don't call him Doubting Thomas anymore. He's a man who, who, who is a strong man who was a man of courage, a man of questions, and a man of faith. So let's look at Thomas' story here. John chapter 20, 24 through 29. I'm going to walk through this. I'm going to give you a couple points. Uh, I'll be done hour and a half to two, okay? So here we go. Now Thomas, also known as Didymus, and to me, I, you understand, I find humor in things, and I think John just stuck this in there. I feel like he just kind of stuck that in there, you know. It's like, we knew who Thomas is, but you know, we also call him Didymus. All right, I'm Didymus sounds like a rapper's name. It really does. You know, DJ Didymus. All right. So now Thomas, also known as Didymus, one of the 12, was not with the disciples. And a lot of people ask, well, where was he? I mean, why was he? He was part of the disciples. He was part of that group. He, he was definitely connected to them. Why was he not there? Because it, it says, was not with the disciples. I mean, we don't know. It's not recorded. But you know what? He just lost his best friend, didn't he? He just lost somebody in a horrific way. He just stood there and watched Jesus nailed to a cross, and he hung there and died in front of him. People mourn differently. Some want a crowd around that they can discuss and talk about and, and work through that mourning. Some just want to be by themselves. 
Maybe that was it. I don't know. We don't know. But we know that he was not there. So Jesus came. He wasn't there. Verse 25. So the other disciples told him, dude, we've seen the Lord. Okay, I, did, I added the dude. Sorry. I didn't really. But just imagine this. Sometimes we just read this so like, okay, we've seen the Lord. No. Do you think there would be some excitement in this? Don't you think there would be some pretty pumped up disciples if they've seen the Lord and Thomas who's been with them for three years did not see the Lord and they first saw him they're like you're not gonna believe this we've seen him when you get excited I know when I gave my life to the Lord I got pretty excited I wanted everybody to know I guarantee you they were excited I guarantee it was more than you know how sometimes we read this we have seen the Lord no I guarantee you they were fired up over here saying, we have seen the Lord, okay? They were, they were pumped. They were excited. This is not like someone coming to you saying, I've seen Elvis. He's not dead. <laughs> if you've ever been to Arkansas, you hear that a lot, okay? So it's not that. It's a little different. He says to them, so here's his time. He's been gone. He's been mourning. He's been upset. He's going through it. And all of a sudden, the dude's like, we've seen the Lord. Here it comes. But he said to them, hey, listen, unless I see the nail marks in his hands, unless I can actually put my finger where the nails were and put my hand into his side, I will not believe. I know we give Thomas a, a, a tough time here for this. But you know what? Let's be honest. I bet a lot of us would go through that as well. I bet a lot of us would actually think that as well. I know for me, I'm a very skeptical person. I really am. If somebody tell me something happened, I have to see it. All right? I got a friend who believes in Bigfoot, and I'm like, that's great, man, but I'm going to have to see evidence. My kids come home all the time. Dad, you don't believe I did this. My, my, my one son always, Dad, I dunked on this guy. Is there a video? It didn't happen. I'm a skeptic. All right. <laughs> But so you know that we would feel the same way here. There's times that we would hear this and he was like, you know what? I need some more proof. I need to know a little bit more. I won't believe unless, and he throws this in there, unless I can actually see the nail marks in his hands. I can actually put my finger where the nails were, he says, and put my hand into his side. I'm not going to believe. Let's go to verse 26 here. Verse 26 now, he says, a week later, his disciples were in the house again. So it's been a week of this. Don't let that throw you off guard. There's been a week of this, of probably him going back and forth, of probably going, is he real? He hasn't been around. He's probably wondering where he's at. He's probably going, see, guys, y'all talk about how he's here. He's not here. And it's a week later, his disciples were in the house again, and Thomas is now with them. So now he's with them. They're in the house. Look at this, though. The doors were locked. Interesting. The doors were locked. So these guys are still living in fear. They got the doors locked. They think they're probably going to be taken out and killed because, you know, Jesus running around doing his thing. He says, the doors were locked. And look at this. Jesus came and stood among them and he said this, peace be with you. Now what we have to see here is this is not just a salutation. This is not just a greeting. This was not just a greeting here when he says, peace be with you. And where this comes from and the Aramaic that it comes from, not going to try to say it, all right. It comes from, hey, don't have fear anymore peace. I got you. And he gives these guys who are behind a locked door some peace in this moment that he said, hey guys, I'm with you. No need to fear. Rest in me. I'm with you here. Hang on. I'm here. I'm with you. And you know someone had to go, hey, wasn't the door locked? 
I know that door was locked. How did he get in? You know, they had to be thinking that. He says, peace be with you. Verse 27, automatically, right? Automatically, he says, peace be with you. And he goes straight to Thomas. Straight to the guy who's been struggling. Straight to the guy who's been dealing with this and struggling with this and, and eating him up inside. This Thomas, you've got to remember, he followed Jesus for three years. Thomas is a guy who watched Jesus raise people from the dead. He's a guy who, you know, seen it all, watched him feed people, watched him do amazing miracles, are still struggling. So if you're struggling with doubt today, it's okay. Because even somebody who was right there with him struggled with it. And Jesus automatically goes straight to him and says, Thomas, come on, come over here. Put your fingers here. See my hand. Reach out your hand. Put it into my side and stop doubting and believe. This is what he says to him. And now, it doesn't say he actually did it. It doesn't say he put his hands in there. It doesn't say that he actually went, eh, you know, it didn't, uh. It says automatically go straight to Thomas said, my Lord, my God, which I'll come back to here in a little bit. He says, my Lord, my God. Then Jesus told him, because you have seen me, you have believed. Blessed are those who have not seen me and yet have believed. And we're going to come back to the end. We're going to break this down here in a second. But Thomas went from fear to doubt to faith in an instant. And don't you believe that a lot of times, though, our faith can move mountains? Do you believe that? Our faith can absolutely move mountains. But a lot of times it's our doubt that puts those mountains there. And that's okay, because I don't know how a person can be a Christian <clears throat> or call themselves a Christian without doubting from time to time. We all go through doubts. If you've ever arrived at a place where you have no doubt, well, welcome to heaven. It's going to be great for you, because there's doubt. Now, we all doubt from time to time. That's okay. It's not wrong. It's not sinful. It often can be a catalyst to a new spiritual growth in our life. It actually can lead us forward to that. So doubt seems to fall, and I'm going to give you three things very quickly. Doubt tends to fall into three categories here, okay? First, there's the intellectual doubts. There's some intellectual doubts. These are doubts most often raised by those who are outside the church. These are intellectual doubts. Is God real? Is, is the Word of God real? Is the Bible the Word of God? Is, the, is Jesus really the Son of God? These are these intellectual doubts. Did he really raise from the dead? Intellectual doubts. The next one is kind of the spiritual doubts. These are kind of more found in the church. This is found with us who are believers in this room is that, you know, tend to say, am I really a Christian? Hey, did I really believe that day? Did I really, is, is he really the Lord of my life? Why is it so hard to pray? Do I, why do I feel so guilty? These are these spiritual doubts that we have. Well, this third one right here is probably the most popular. And I fell in this category before I came to know the Lord as I really walked in this, and that is circumstantial doubts. Circumstantial doubts. That is this. It's the largest. It's, it's the most common. These are the whys of life. Why did my child die? Why, why did my marriage break up? Why can I find a husband? Why can I find a boyfriend? Why, why did my friend betray me? Hey, God, where were you when I was abused? These are the circumstantial doubts. These are the doubts that many of us as Christians and not Christians that we face and we battle and we struggle with. And they turn in us and they rich in us. Because these whys of life. 
we question what God allows. So many times in our lives we do this. And this was a lot of my story. A lot of my story were wise. God, why, if you love me so much, you gave me a dad who was an alcoholic. Why would he leave me in bars? Why did I, was in a plane crash and watched my grandfather killed in front of me? I, I battled with this so much in my life of these why gods because of my situation and my circumstance. We question what God allows. And these questions, what they do is they, they touch the intersection of biblical truth and the pain of a fallen world. We have a fallen world, we have a broken world, and we're just broken people leading broken people to a perfect Savior. Circumstances are circumstances, but God is still God. And so a lot of times we fall into these doubts because we've listened to the doubts of others. I was shocked by this. The first time I've known this, I should have known this. I actually taught history at one point. But I did not know this until I was researching a little bit on doubting and propaganda of doubting. But in 1966, Russia had a no God, I guess, uh, thing that they were doing. Okay? They, they had a, a mission. They had a, to tell everyone there was no God. This is what they wanted to tell people. This is what they did. And in 1966, they sent a cosmonaut up to space. Think about this. They had a cosmonaut they put into space, and they tethered him out. They didn't just fly up there and just go, yeah, okay, look around. They so much went to the, as far as tethering him out and made him look around and say, Boganyet. And the word Boganyet means no God. And they sent this to Russia. They took pictures of it. They showed people, and they said, listen, you don't need God. You just need this government. We will take care of you. We went and checked the heavens and Boganyet, there is no God. But how many believe if he'd have untethered, he'd have met God real quick? <laughs> Tell you what. I meet people a lot, as I was saying. I meet people and I get to talk about God and I, I love sharing my faith. I love talking about my story and where I was. I love talking about my own doubts and my own, even my own doubts as a Christian and my own doubts that we struggle with and we go through. And Those seniors that are up here, and I know you're back in the room now, so I want to say this to those seniors that were here. you got to understand there's 75%, there's a statistic, 75 to 80% of Christians that go off, senior Christians that go off to college that will walk away from the Lord because they doubt. And they listen to the doubts of others. Where are those seniors at? Where are you at? Look at me real quick. Hang on to your foundation. Hang on to the truth of your foundation. The truth of the foundation is that Jesus Christ is Lord. Hang on to that as you go and you hear a lot of things and you hear a lot of stuff. You're going to hear a lot of voices that are absolutely not the voices of, uh, of that. Hang on to the foundation that you have here at this church and that you may have with your families and your parents. Hang on to that because you're going to hear professors say, yet. And you need to go, no, there's a God. Because I know he's in my life. Listen, I meet people all the time, and I, got, I talked to this guy recently. And I was talking to one of our members this morning. I go and visit sometimes just running around. And I visit people at their work. So if you tell me where you work, I will show up. So I was visiting one of our members at their work, and, uh, and she wanted to show me around. It was really cool and stuff. And so <laughs> I meet this guy, and he comes around the corner. You can't help but notice this guy. He is actually in the Guinness Book of World's record as the most tattooed person ever in the world. I got a picture of him. I know. I just went, oh. <laughs> yeah. 
I mean, so you can't help but notice when this guy came around the corner, okay? And so I can't help but notice, and I can't help myself and go, hey, man, tell me about this, you know? You can take that off now. All right, head to toe, completely tattooed. I said, tell me, how did this start? Was a little butterfly? And that's where it just all went to? I mean, that's just, no? <laughs> Pastor Keith says this all the time. Oh, it starts with a little one, and then all of a sudden you look like this guy. <laughs> So I go, tell me about, man, what is up with this? And he goes, I'm in the Guinness Book of World Records. I go, that's really cool. He says, uh, he goes, I, I'm tattooed from every pit of my body. He, he shows me his hands. He goes, bottom of my feet. He starts showing me inside of his ears. He opens his mouth. I said, I've seen enough. <laughs> and then he says, what are you here for? I said, well, I'm visiting a, a friend. Because I was going, oh, boy, here we go again. And then he goes, well, what do you do? I was like, oh, man. Have you ever heard of Church's Chicken? No, it's not. <laughs> I said, uh, I got my pastor. And immediately this man looks right at me and goes, let me tell you why I don't believe. Let me tell you, pastor, why I don't believe in your God. I was like, well, okay, here we go with this. I was just visiting a member of our church. <laughs> and now I'm speaking to the most tattooed man in the world telling me why he doesn't believe in God. I said, okay, tell me why you don't believe. So he goes on about why he doesn't believe and the things that he does believe. And he starts really hitting some very bizarre things of what he believes. I know, you'd never think that. <laughs> he's really getting into it, some really crazy things that we were these fish and we came out and we walked around with gills and we lived in the water, we lived in the land. And I was like, hmm, okay, well, this is pretty interesting. And I looked at him and I said this. I said, tell me. I said, where did you get that information from? Like, where did you hear that? What, what book did you read? Or what, where did you get that? He looks right at me and he says this. He said, somebody told me this. I said, okay. I said, has anybody ever told you about the Lord? He goes, oh, yeah, I've heard about the Lord, but I, I don't believe it. This is why I don't believe it. No, I don't, I don't believe it. But has anybody ever told you about the Lord? The, the Lord of Lords, the God of God, the one who created you, who did not create you to be a fish, but created you to be a human. I'm just kind of having it with him. And he was like, well, yeah, but I don't believe in that. And I said, okay. And then I think the lady I was visiting came around the corner. I go, you and I are going to finish this conversation. He goes, come and see me. I haven't went back. But, you know, I'm going to one day. <laughs> but that's the whole point of this. Look at this. Sometimes we believe and we go through this thing of an unbelief because someone told us to. Because someone just, their belief. We need to own our own faith. we got to own our own. So let me give you a couple things. How do we overcome our doubts? How do we overcome our doubts as Christians? Maybe there's some of you in this room, you don't believe in God because you have your own doubts if he's real. How do we overcome the doubts? Now let me ask you this question. Pastor Key and I were talking about this this week when we went out. Uh, and he says, what will it take for you to believe? For Thomas, it took, hey, man, i got to see him. i got to put my fingers in there. i got to make sure he is who he says he is. I gotta, it took that for him. And he became one of the most pioneers and led the people to Christ in India. Incredible. What is it going to take for you? What is it going to take for us to say we're going all in and we believe? Remember, doubt's not sinful, but it can be dangerous. It can be very dangerous. It can also spur us on some major spiritual growth. Because it's about what we do with our doubt that really matters. Do you agree with that? We're going to have doubts. 
They are going to happen. They are going to come. What do we do with our doubts? How do we move forward? So let me give you a few things, about four things, uh, about how to handle our doubts. Here's number one. Write this down. Or, uh, we'll throw it up there behind you. We got to admit our doubts, admit that we have doubts, and ask for help. If we just walk around with the doubts and not, you know, admitting to others or have, have, trying to seek help with it, we're going to live in those doubts. Those doubts are then just going to creep in us and they're going to grow and grow and grow. We have to admit our doubts and ask for help. This is what he did. This is what Thomas did here in verse 25. He said, the other disciples told him, we have seen the Lord. But he said to them, unless I see him, unless I experience him, unless I encounter him, if I can put my hands on his wounds, I'm not going to believe. He plainly stated that he could not and would not believe unless he saw the evidence. Unless he did that. That's what it took for him. He admitted, though, that he did have the doubts. He didn't just go, oh, okay, I'll take your word for it. That's great. No. He admitted he had a doubt, and he moved forward in that. He asked questions. And we have to understand this. When we go to God, hey, God, why? Hey, God, I don't even know if you're real in my life. He's a big enough God who can handle that. God is not fragile, okay? He runs the universe without us. He's, it's okay. It's okay for us to cry out. It's okay for us to express our fears and our worries and our unansweredness that we have, these unanswered questions that we have. He is a big enough God. Do you believe that today? He is. So he can handle our doubts. We just have to go to him and ask for help. And we can't fight the battles alone. We shouldn't fight the battles alone. And I pray that you're in a Christian community and you're in this church and maybe you're visiting for the first time here. We love you. We care for you. We want the best for you. And we want to help you with any doubts that you may have. And if you do have those doubts, how we ask for help as Christians, find a Christian friend who's strong in their faith. Come to the pastors. Find me. Email me. Uh, I'll come to your work. You know it. And we can have conversations. Let's help you walk through those doubts. And you can't do it alone. I can't do it alone. We need each other and you ask these people to walk with, ask, ask to walk with them as you face these doubts honestly. Let me give you the next one. Recognize that faith is a choice, not a feeling. We got to understand that faith is a choice and it's not a feeling. If there was a feeling, we're messed up. This was one that was hard for me. Okay? I, I'm being vulnerable and honest with you right now. This was the one for a long time that I had to figure out because I felt like God had to be a feeling. And God is not a feeling. For me, for many years, I associated faith with how I felt in that giving moment, which some of us do, right? And it's very easy to have great faith when you have money in the bank. You and your wife are doing great. When, when the doctor says you don't have cancer, when, when, you, when your children are doing well, when the career is moving ahead, when your church is flourishing, you have friends, man, your faith can be strong in those moments. But what do you have when you lose your job? Your marriage is in trouble. You're told you do have cancer. What do you do when, when life all of a sudden takes a, a turn and all of a sudden everything is falling apart, your church is falling apart, your life is, and you just, you have nowhere to look. So there's a deal. If all we got is God is a feeling, our faith is going to be very shallow. It's not about a feeling. It's a choice. Remember what Jesus said in verse 29 is that Jesus told him, says, because you have seen me, you have believed. He said, because you've seen me, you believe. But look what he gives this blessing. And that's this blessing that he's about to give is for you and me. 
See, 2,000 years ago, Thomas had this opportunity to stand in the room with Jesus and go, okay, I believe he had that. We don't have that. We, don't, we can't say, hey, Jesus, put yourself right here and let's just show you something. No, we don't have that. So what happens is Jesus recognizes the faith that it takes for us to believe. That's why he pronounced a special blessing on us for trusting him. This is what he said. Blessed are those who have not seen and yet have believed. There's a blessing for us who have not seen. Jesus is not going to walk in behind the, uh, the locked door and go, hey, yo, here I am. But there's things that we can see from him. Let me give you another one real quick, and I'm, I'm about to close here. Act on faith, not on doubt. Act on our faith, not our doubt. Act on our faith, not our doubt. I believe that faith requires doubt in order to be faith. Hang on to that one for a minute. That faith requires a little bit of doubt for it to actually be faith, right? I, I believe that it's what Noah had when he was told to build an ark. It was what Abraham had when he said, hey, leave uh, Ur of Chaldees. It was what Abraham had when he said, hey, when God said, hey, sacrifice your son. It's what Moses had when he said, hey, walk across this river, this, this dry land right here. It's what David had when he stood there in front of that Goliath. It's what Joshua had when he marched around uh, those walls. It's what Daniel had when he was thrown into that lion's den. It's what Nehemiah had when he was told to build that wall. It's what Paul had when he sat time in and time out in jail. Going, God, are you there? We got to act on the faith. Act on the faith, not on the doubt. Because I don't think, I'm sure you don't believe that all these men, these heroes of faith, had no doubt. I guarantee you, when they're standing there at that river, I mean, at that sea right there, and Moses is going, we're supposed to cross this? There wasn't just a little bit of doubt. But you know what he did? He acted on the doubt. He stood there and raised his hand and waited for this thing to part. Don't think that Paul didn't think, okay, am I going, is today the day I die? But he held on to that faith. He acted in that faith. Guarantee you David stood there with that giant and said, hmm, but God, you got me. I'm going to act on my faith, not on my doubt. They took a deep breath and they trusted God. They acted on their faith and not on their doubt. And you know what? You and I could do the same thing. Do you believe that today? You and I could do the same thing. A week later goes by, you know, the disciples were in the house again. Thomas was with them. So the doors were locked. Jesus came and he stood among them and said, peace on you. And then he said to Thomas, put your fingers and your hands in here. It's probably very important to recognize the gentleness that Jesus expressed here. I really feel like it's very important to recognize that he could have said, hey, man, where's your faith in me? Have you not been with me? No, no, no. He, he, he reacted in a gentle way. He didn't chastise him. He, 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 you know, for the lack of belief. He addressed Thomas in a way that allowed him to believe. And in an instant, we can't skip over this, in an instant Thomas goes from believing that, that, from not believing that he rose from the dead to recognizing him as God. In verse 28. He goes from, you're the Lord my God. From, I don't believe that you're even real. I don't believe you rose from the dead. For all of a sudden, from an instant when he was there, going from, you're God, and let's go. You're God, and I'm ready to follow you. You're God, and I'm willing to die for you. That's where Thomas went. He's not doubting Thomas. 
This man is believing Thomas. Amen? Here's the last one. I'll give you this. I know I say I'm done, but there's a little bit more. It's the last point, but I got 30 minutes left, okay? So, no, 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 I'm going to be done. Don't run off. Stay for this. Here's the last point. This is the one I threw in here because it, it, for me, it helps me. It helps me when I see someone believe. And here's the thing, it's the real doubt resolver is watching God at work. For me, the real doubt resolver is when I'm doubting there's a God and I'm doubting that he's real. And sometimes ministry can get very just, right? And all of a sudden when you see somebody come to know the Lord and they live out that verse in Corinthians that says the old is gone, the new is come, and they become a brand new creation, a brand new creature. And you see that person, you know where they were before, and you know when they had that encounter with God and what it did to them, and you know the life that they're living afterward, it strengthens our faith, doesn't it? And how about the times that we've prayed for somebody and prayed for somebody and prayed for somebody and you see them come to know the Lord and they change. They live out that Ephesians 4 verse that says you take off the old self and you put on a new self. A real doubt resolver is when we see God at work. And I asked someone to film this for me while we were out of town and I really want you to see this story and it's just a couple minutes and then I'll talk after. Y'all watch this. I was I was blind. You know, I was, I was um, at that time I was I was a heathen. It was my way. If it, it wasn't my way, it wasn't the right way. And whenever I walked into this church for the actual first time, walked in and listening to a sermon. So I was like, I started listening to the sermon. Then he started his little prayer. And everybody had their heads down. He's like. If anybody, you know, if you if you if you said that prayer with me, raise your hand. I raised my hand. I was already breaking down. And I snuck out the door fast as I got in there. You know, it, you know, I was waiting for the lightning to come through and through one of the doors or something going to catch me somewhere. And but I but I, it it felt good. Just just saying those words. It made a difference. I mean, you get like just like a it's like a weight coming off your shoulder. It's just like somebody just broke chains and the chains just fell. And I went on ahead and I did the baptism. Coming out of that, it's just like more chains fell off me. And it was slowly but surely things was getting lighter because I knew right then and there I had nothing to worry about no more. You know, it, and from now on, you know, here it is. This is me. I'm broke. Take what I got and you can have it. Then we have, you know, we've had other officers that come to Jesus here, Gina. We had Gina not too long ago come in. And Gina's just like the rest of us. You know, it, we, we were hurting. We needed something. Church loved on her. Then watching Rivera do it, and I said, Mama, then I know that something's up. He found peace from all the years that he's been in the military and all the stuff he had to do. For the once, he found peace. Johnson, Johnson had a rough life coming out of Flint, Michigan. The day that he prayed that prayer from Casey Benson, and it's just like you see chains fall off of him. And he accepted Jesus Christ that day. And you could see a difference in his face. You could see the difference in his attitude, the body, the posture. 
I mean, and watching my family become followers. Not because of me. But for what they either A, seen in me, or seen what I seen in the church. That's what makes the difference. And watching them get baptized. It's probably one of the brightest parts of, the brightest parts of my life. I'm, with my with my wife, my kids, I try to do better. I'm still not perfect, but I'm trying. I'm very humble because of this church. It it made me see that there's something bigger than me. There's something more than me. If. A doubt resolver is when you see God move in someone's life. And there's a lot of stories just like that. That's just an example of what God's doing in this place. It's an example of how good he is. Because when we have our doubts, and maybe some of you in this room, even right now you're doubting. Maybe some of you in this room, you've had these different doubts. And I know many of us as Christians, you've doubted. But maybe there's somebody in this room, and maybe there's more than somebody in this room that you've doubted, man, is there a God? Is he real? Is he really in the life-changing business? Take a look at that story. And there's so many more like it. There comes a moment when we have to decide to go all in. There comes a moment in your life when you have to decide to go all in or not about what we believe. Where you sit there and you look at your cards, you look at your chips, and you have to say, I'm going all in, I'm pushing them forward. This means that we're risking everything. Because if, you, if you're right, you win. If you're wrong, you lose it all. That's what that looks like. But in Christianity, to follow Christ, in that Christian life, you can't hold on to your cards forever. You can't hold on to them forever. You have to make that decision. You have to somewhere along the way come to a point to make a stand. Years ago, that's what I decided to do. Years ago, I said, I'm going all in. Jack said, I'm going all in. Many of you in this room said, I'm going all in on that Jesus is Lord. I'm going all in that he is the son of God. I'm going all in that he died on the cross for my sins. I'm going all in that he rose from the dead on that third day. I'm going all in that he is the Lord of the universe. And that someday I'm going to go to heaven on him. I have no plan B. Because that's truth. There is no plan B. In John chapter 11, Jesus is speaking to his sisters about their brother. and Jesus says to her, he says, listen, I am, the I am the resurrection and the life. The one who believes in me will live even though they die. So if you believe in him, you will live even though you die. And whoever lives by believing in me will never die and I love this question he throws right at her when he looks right at her and says this. 
He said, I'm the resurrection and life. You believe in me, even though that you're dead, you shall live. And he looks right at her and says this, do you believe this? Do you believe this? What's it going to take for you to believe today? What's it going to take for you to take that step today? What's it going to take for you in this room who's still holding on to your cards and you're still looking at them? You cannot hold on to those cards forever. Eventually, you have to throw them on a table, put your chips forward and say, I'm going all in. That Jesus Christ is Lord. He is our Savior. He went to that cross for you and me. And all he is saying in return is saying, hey, just believe in me and follow me. Bible says when you confess with your mouth but you have to believe in your heart and a lot of people miss heaven because they got a whole bunch of stuff up here and they miss it here it says believe in your heart that Jesus Christ loved you so much that he died on the cross he was buried for your sins and he rose from the dead to say that he was who he said he was and that's Jesus Christ that's God would you close your eyes and bow your head and let me pray for us Would you take a minute and look in your heart today? Two questions. Maybe some of you are not moving forward in your Christian walk. Maybe some of you are not moving forward in your Christian life because you're just doubting a lot of things. Maybe asking a lot of questions and you just need to say, God, I just need to pray. Man, I need to move my doubts into actions. I'm tired of living in these doubts because when Jesus came behind that locked door to those disciples that day and said, peace be with you, he was saying, unlock the door. Unlock the door because I'm giving you peace. Unlock the door because I'm with you. Unlock the door and move. Don't stay behind these locked doors because there is a world that needs to hear about what I just did. So go, he said. And many of us that are Christians in this room, we're sitting behind the locked doors, not moving forward because we're letting this doubt control our lives. We got to move forward. Unlock the door and move. Let me ask you, no one looking around, I'm just going to ask. How many of you say, be honest with me, saying, man, that's me. I know I know the Lord. I know I'm saved, but man, I get doubt just mess with me. I just want to pray for you. Would you put your hand up? Am I the only one? Because I got my hand up. I see your hands. You put your hands down. Doubt is doubt. And sometimes we just need to get on our faces, get on our, get on our knees, and just say, Lord, help me with these. Let me act on these doubts and move forward. But maybe there's some of you in this room, you've heard the messages from Pastor Key in the last three weeks, and it's been stirring in you. You hear the message today, you hear God's word today, and you're still sitting in a place of not knowing the Lord, not taking that next step. Maybe you've doubted that he's real, and my prayer for you right here, right now, is that the Spirit of God will move in you and speak to you that He is real, and all you need to do is surrender your life to Him. Let go of the fears, let go of the doubts, and let God move in your life. Step out of the darkness and into the light. 
This is why Jesus came, to die for our sins, to give us a place in heaven. So maybe that's where you're sitting this morning and you just need to surrender to the Lord. And if that is you, I want you to pray this prayer with me. It's not a magic prayer. It's just a prayer of you saying, God, I'm ready to go all in. I'm taking my cards. I'm throwing them on the table. I'm pushing my chips forward. And I need to go all in, Jesus, because I can't hold on to these cards forever. And if that's you, would you just pray this prayer with me and say, Jesus, I believe today. I believe that you love me. I believe that you died for me. I believe that you went to the cross to save me from my sins. And God, I believe that you forgive me, that you give me hope, that you give me life. God, I believe that you are real. I believe that you are real. So God, take my life. I give it to you. I give it to you. I'd like to pray for you. If you prayed eyes closed. If you prayed that prayer and you truly meant it this morning, would you just put your hand up and say, that's me. Is there anybody that might have prayed that prayer? Would you put it up high? Be honest with me. Would you put it up high? If today was the day that you said, I'm going all in. If today's the day that you made the Lord, the Lord of your life, and you do this one time, this is not a rededication. This is not a recommitment. This is a saying, I today am asking Jesus to come into my life, to come into my heart and save me, to rescue me. And I'm going all in today. Would you put it up high right now? Okay, that's me. Okay. Would you put your hands down? I know this might be tough for some of you. But I want to make sure we're clear and I want to make sure I was very clear. And so I want you to be able to talk with somebody. So if you prayed that prayer and you really meant it, I want to pray with you. Would you just step out of your seat and come stand right here for me? Let me pray with you. I'm going to ask Pastor Key to come pray as well. If you really meant it and you're saying, hey, you know what? I'm going all in. I mean it. I know it's a fearful thing. I know it's tough. I know it's hard. I know it's strong. I know all that stuff. I get it. But maybe you need to go all in. And I know some say you're saying, well, this is bro, this is tough, man. You will make me stand in front of the church. Everybody got their eyes closed. Nobody sees me. But I want to make sure we're clear. So if you really prayed that prayer, could you just step out and just come over here and let me pray with you real quick? Don't let fear control you. Don't let the doubt control you. Would you just come right now and stand right here so we can pray with you? Anybody else? I know I saw a lot of hands and when I know when I ask you to come forward it got weird and your heart starts thumping and stuff I get that so if you can't get out of your seat you can't come and stand right here with these guys I totally get that would you please find somebody and say hey I prayed that prayer with him or come find me come find Pastor Key Pastor Chuck find someone and say hey I prayed that with him so we could just walk you through some next steps 
But let me pray, and then I'm going to ask you guys to pray with Pastor Chuck right over there. Father, we love you, God. I thank you so much for those who made decisions to follow you today, that went all in today, that casted in today. God, I thank you for them. And I know, God, you're still moving in this room. You're still... Father, as even more make their way down right now, Lord, I pray that maybe even more see this and go, okay, I need to go all in. So we thank you for that. We thank you for your goodness, your grace that you gave us. We thank you for your forgiveness that you've given us today. And I thank you for those who made a decision today to follow you for the first time, to go all in. God, I pray you show them that this is the greatest moment of their lives. Lord, we love you. In Jesus' name, amen. They're just going to pray with you right there. Pastor Key's right there. We'll take you right there. We're going to continue to worship. And I hope you stick around. Stay with us here as we worship. see when people come to know him as an evangelist as someone who just, I just have a heart for people who don't know the Lord and I just want them to know the Lord because I know what it does as you watch Jack's story and I have thousands of other stories of people who know Jesus and I know that God wants to use every single one of us in this room who are believers to reach out to a world who needs Jesus that needs him so as we sing this last song, as we just kind of prepare ourselves for the rest of the week, as we prepare ourselves for the, the upcoming battle that we have, can we spend some time with the Lord this morning? Can we just spend some time praying maybe for a loved one, maybe for a coworker, maybe for someone you know that needs to know Jesus, that God could use you through your doubts at your job, at your school, at your place, wherever it may be, that God can use you to lead others to him and have an amazing encounter with Jesus. So maybe I'm going to ask, maybe some students or adults, man, use this altar time this morning. Come and get on your knees and say, God, man, take my doubts. So, Father, we give it to you. God, move in this place. Move in this room. Don't let us just sit behind the locked door. Don't let us sit behind the locked door, even now, as we pray, as we celebrate you in Jesus' name. Amen. Come on, would you stand? Let's sing. Let's worship. The altar's open.